with the Poldark Podcast, a fan cast about all things Poldark. And before we kick things off, we should introduce ourselves. My name is Rita. I live in England. I Tumblr at Princess of Poldark and I tweet at Rita Bites. And I'm Michelle. I live in the States. I Tumblr at Poldark Muses and tweet at Musings. Yes, we're back. Finally. Well, two-thirds of us are back. Our world traveler, Delonda, is away visiting the the Rellies? Yeah, visiting the Rellies. she was with her best friend. Oh, is it? Oh, well, okay. Rellies, best friend, she, something. She's being Anyhow, exciting yeah. and exotic. Exactly. She's, she's, living, she's living the life. And she couldn't join us today. <laughs> Anyway, you're you're listening to the first of our two-part podcast about Season 4. In this week's podcast, we'll be yammering on about our opinions on it, but next week's podcast is all about what you guys, our amazing listeners, thought of the season. So please get in contact ASAP with your opinions and reactions to this podcast. Yes! And because this is a Season 4 recap episode... There will quite obviously be spoilers for the whole of Season 4, so don't blame us if you haven't seen the episodes yet. This one is on you. Um, a, lo- <laughs> a lot went down this season. Uh, you could be excused for forgetting most of it. Uh, so here it is, a very brief recap, under 600 words, people, of all the hashtag pure drama Poldark had to offer. First off, Ross James bonded out of the ocean. There was yet another riot, and Yego, Sam, and Drake were all charged with starting it. But following a heroic speech by Ross, Drake and Sam are pardoned, but Yego had to hang. Ross is so moved by the events, he decides to stand for the election. Demelza calls things off with Hugh, but he persists on getting very, very sick so he keeps inviting her over to play nursemaid. But eventually, after some terrible poetry that Ross reads, oh my effing god, Hugh dies. And I'm not giving him a a hashtag R.I.P. Nope, nope, no R.I.P. Hugh uh, was all set to become Lord Falmouth's next protege in Parliament, but following his illness... Falmouth turns to Ross to fill that gap and helps Ross become a member of Parliament, otherwise known as an MP. See? I know these things. Hashtag studying. (laughs) George, therefore, loses his seat in Parliament and loses his shit, prompting him to buy a borough instead. Because he's his own damn patron now. He's in a very powerful position. Meanwhile, Caroline and Dwight have a baby. Her Call her um, Sarah. She's born with a heart defect and soon dies. R.I.P. Sarah. R.I.P. Yes, Barely yes. Her death causes devastation and Caroline decides to head to London to soothe her heart. Elsewhere, Sam agrees to fight Tom Harry to, quote, win Emma's soul and body. Let's be real here. And body. Uh, But he loses after Tom Harry (laughs) completely cheats. 
Emma tells Sam she loves him, but that she needs time to think about their relationship. While she's away, <laughs> she agrees to marry another man, forcing them to say goodbye. Doesn't sound like she did a lot of thinking. Okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, Drake moves on from a winner by courting Saul's very own Rosina. Ozzie Whitworth resumes his affair with Rowella, despite continuing the rape of his wife, Morwella. Man, could they pick more confusing names or Morwenna? Her parents have a lot to answer for, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, Rowella's husband finds out about the affair and attempts to kill Ozzy. Attempt being the key operative word because Ozzy falls off his horse and is dragged to his death. Hashtag no RIP for you, boy. <laughs> Uh, this leaves Morwenna and Drake free to marry each other. Well, kind of. Uh, first, Drake has to call off his engagement to Rosina on their wedding day. And he does this and runs off to Morwenna, who rejects him at first because of her pregnancy. But after she loses the baby, she reconciles with Drake and they marry. Yay, question mark. Anyway, in London, Ross spends most of his time making impassioned speeches and clearing up after Geoffrey Charles's puke. After a few years of fobbing Demelza off and insisting she stays in Cornwall, Ross asks her to join him in London. She does, and it's cute AF. Until a slime ball named Monk Adley comes along to ruin the day. He makes unwanted advances on Demelza and then shit-talks her after she rejects him. So Ross does the very mature thing of grabbing him by the scruff of his neck in Parliament, leading to a duel where Monk is shot and dies. Ross is shot and he now has to cover up a murder while injured. Hashtag orcs. Demelza... Pissed that Ross risked his life over something kind of petty, leaves for Cornwall. Hmm. Meanwhile, Elizabeth is preggers again, and this time it's George's. But George isn't that thrilled. Following a careless remark by her own son, Jeffrey Charles, George now thinks Valentine isn't his again. So she concocts a plan to make this new baby come earlier, mimicking Valentine's birth. She drinks a potion that induces labor, but then dies because, you know, that shit is dangerous. Ross barges into Trenwith and kisses a dead woman on the lips, then <laughs> returns home to his wife. And we're done! Ta-da! Can you believe it? <laughs> All of season four crammed into 600 words. Uh, you know, what cracks me up is, you know, is we, I was going through this uh, recap the whole uh, wrestling thing, that whole scene it had just completely flown out of my head. <laughs> I can never forget. Well, no. I mean, you know, now I, I think about it and it's like, oh, well, yeah, damn. But, you know, the, the whole, you know, everybody getting together and sitting on benches and, you know, watching the wrestling and, and, and of course... There's that awkward moment where both Jeremy and Valentine start playing <laughs> with one another and their mothers are like, holy shit. Uh, <laughs> you know, so yeah, there were all of these little moments that happened during that episode that I completely forgot about. Ah, uh, God, the it's too much. It's too much. It's too much. It's just too much. 
our poor brains can only remember so much. And <laughs> yes. I mean, also, there was a whole banking storyline that I missed out of the recap because, quite frankly. Oh, God, yes. Who gives a shit? Like, is it important? <laughs> it. In like 20 years time, are you going to be like, oh yeah, there was that moment where that guy embezzled some money. Right, that (laughs) really super awesome section of the season that, no. Unless it's it's thinking about Demelza's ingenuity. (laughs) I'm not sure that our memories are going to be that good, though. Yeah, yeah, probably not, probably not. Oh, God. Well, anyhow, uh, Delanda's predictions. Remember we talked about those? Yeah, I know it feels like years ago, but sort of like three months ago, we recorded a season four preview podcast and we put Delanda on the spot because being the Polduck podcast girls with zero book knowledge, we wanted to know what her prediction for the show's course would be. She predicted that... There would be another riot. Ozzy would be murdered. Morwenna would marry Drake. Ding. And Ross and Demelza would have another baby. Given all of the shagging they perpetuated this season, it's a miracle that they did that didn't happen. For reals. For reals, because they were they were shagging all over the place. They were, which you know, considering the hellscape that we'd been in for the last season and a half, uh, mostly lie, mostly right. Uh, so uh, we've asked Delanda for her thoughts about the predictions, and we'll share those with you next week. You know, if we're able to catch up with the world traveler, which she'll I think be off in like Japan next week or something. <laughs> <laughs> something like that something like that so how does series four compare to the rest of the Poldark saga for you uh well despite how mixed my feelings were about it uh during our viewing uh i would have to say it's my second favorite of the seasons we've had so far uh of course i know uh it feels like series one is at the top of everest um <laughs> yeah. Series two and three were at sea level, whereas series four is at base camp. I mean, it's it's on the bloody mountain. Let's just say it's <laughs> on the mountain. Um, we had some glorious Romelza moments, as we were just re- referencing to. There was shagging going on all over the place. Um, you know, and especially during those early days in London where it really felt like uh, a honeymoon experience for them. And, you know, the in fact, they never really had a honeymoon when you think about it. So uh, it was but really But they did a lot of nice. shagging men as well on kitchen well, tables. They, yeah, they did. But, you know, this was, this was, you know, a nice getaway from the kids. And, you know, they were able to have some romantic, sexy times involving... Uh, berries and <laughs> sheets on the floor. Um, <laughs> oh, the bird uh, feeding scene. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, and we also had some really lovely moments at Nampara. You know, I think specifically of that one gorgeous shot of the of the two of them linking fingers while they were in bed. Um, just beautiful. Um, and we were really, really in need of that. Uh, after what we'd gone through with uh, series uh, two and three. That's interesting because I would say I much prefer season two to season four. 
It <laughs> has its flaws, and uh, <laughs> you can listen to our season two podcasts. But I really did enjoy season two. It's not really a, fl- a reflection on the quality of the show, however, because I think I just find that part of the saga much more compelling to read about. I just, it's, you know, Francis's death, for example, was just so much more emotional and impactful than Elizabeth's for me. And that's not just because Elizabeth ain't shit in my eyes. It's, um... (laughs) (laughs) It's... It was just the way it was handled was just... It hit so many emotional highs for me. So I'd rank season four as a close third. It's very close. I think it was very well written. It's much better than season three, thank God, because let's not speak of that. Um, But I think it suffered a bit from overcrowding much more than season two for me, and just, you know, so much Drake-related angst. Drankst! Yeah, yeah. Drankst? Nice! Nice! I love a good compound word, and that's a good one. Uh, (laughs) um, You know... uh, Francis's death is this like pivoting point for the series. You know, when you think about it, you know, if Francis hadn't died, um, I we would all be so much happier. <laughs> yeah, we we never would have wound up having you know what winds up happening later in series two because Elizabeth and Francis were actually kind of starting to get things back on track with one another uh, at the time of Francis's death. And so, you know, obviously when you're writing stories like this, you need to have those pivoting moments to kind of, kind of force the story to move forward and to create more of the, uh, the impetus for you know the characters to develop and things along those lines and so totally understand what you're saying about series two and francis's death being so much more of an emotional um sledgehammer you know upside the head um you know i think when we consider you know elizabeth's death in this series um it is it winds up being another one of those pivoting points but it it doesn't have that same holy crap now what's going to happen uh kind of um uh feeling that we wound up with uh Francis so i agree with you on that um i just i i have issues you like the sexy times. <laughs> I do like the sexy times. I ain't gonna lie. Not gonna lie. And, you know, I think Elizabeth's death suffered from being the final death in a series full of death. I mean, we started yeah. with death. Yes! There was a death yes. every other episode. <laughs> Everybody died. <laughs> it was a miracle anybody made it out alive. And by the time you oh get my to, God. by the time you get to Elizabeth, you're just like, oh, okay, how to? I mean, <laughs> okay. I mean, you're right. I mean, you're totally right. Let's see. Episode one is Jago. Jago winds up dying. Uh, I don't think episode, two, in episode two. 
Um, Did anybody die? Uh, Hugh. Hugh died. That's why I liked that episode. I think, yeah. Uh, episode three, Sarah. Sarah. Yeah. Sarah and dies. Ozzy in episode four? Yeah. I think so. Episode four or episode five? I think it was episode four. Um, Ozzy dies. And then episode five. Anybody die in five? The, when did the old banker dude die? Is that episode five? Was that episode six? No, it was it was the same episode as Ozzy because remember it it happens like very soon after or very I just, soon. I think like, like the opening before. shot is of his casket though, isn't it? Like they're at his funeral, so that's why it feels yeah, like a death could be. in the next episode. Could be, could be, could be. Uh, episode six. I can't think of anybody. Nope. Uh, episode seven, of course, monk. <laughs> And episode eight, Elizabeth. And I guess <laughs> well, when is unborn baby? Like it was a pretty yeah. It was a masca- miscarriage. Um. So yeah. 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 That's a lot yeah. of deaths. I mean, mm-hmm. too many. But I suppose they yes. all happen in the same book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have to blame. There's a reason that Tide to... was angry, man. <laughs> we have to blame Winston Graham for this. Like, there's nothing you could really do. <laughs> He was trying to wrap oh, this series up. He was like, Let's exactly, exactly. And like way back when, when uh, uh, Steve Martin was a comedian, he used to do this this uh, shtick where he was playing his banjo and how the banjo was always such a, a happy episode or a happy instrument. Um, and uh, you know he was <laughs> oh, oh death, death and grief <laughs> You're playing the banjo, everything's okay. Hey, Steve, your house is burning down. So, I love anyway, a banjo. Sorry. Yes. Oh, time for some math. No! Don't make me do math this time of the morning. It's okay, mm-hmm. I got you, girl. Um, despite being so shockingly bad at math, um, I collected our ratings and averaged them out. I did math. Thank you, Google, for telling me how to do that. (laughs) And I can now give you all the following information. Um, Delunda, you're not here, but I know you're listening. Your highest rated episode was episode two and seven, which you gave five out of five tricorns. Uh, Your lowest rating was a two for the final so your average rating for, I know we were brutal in the final. Uh, your <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we your were. average rating for season four was a respectable three and a half tricorns. So that's pretty good. Yes. Now meanwhile I would say so. <laughs> Michelle, your highest rated episode seven because Bow Chicka Wow Wow. Yes. Uh, and you gave yes! it five out of five tricorns. Your lowest was the final, also a two. Your average for the season was 3.53. Yes! Now, my highest rated yes! episode was also episode two and seven. Me and Delanda, we're just in sync. We both love <laughs> episode two. Uh, I gave it a 4.53. Five mm-hmm. because it still had Drake in it. <laughs> you know I won't compromise. Uh, my lowest rated was also the final, and uh, my average for the season was three point two five tricorns. 
Yep. So while <laughs> our ratings might have seemed all over the place while we were recording, on average, we were all pretty similar in terms of our appreciation for the season. And we all agreed that the best episode was the London Jewel episode, episode seven. And the worst was the finale because that was a pile of crap. I think it's officially <laughs> a consensus. Hashtag go team. Uh, yeah, and well done you. I, I think I'm going to have to go and watch uh, episode two again just to see if uh, what, I, <laughs> what I was I think missing. it was just a very ensemble-heavy episode, and me and Delonda really appreciate that. Um, and, you know, there was some Sam wrestling. <laughs> okay, so for top five moments. Well, uh, I think for me... I think if I'm going to do this in order of appreciation, uh, it would be uh, number five. Uh, it would be Ross's political career getting started. Uh, I think that this is, uh, um, you know, like kind of part two of Ross's life. Uh, not to say that while he was uh, being a miner, uh, or not a miner, a mine owner, uh, he was kind of sitting around and twiddling his thumbs. Uh, I think that the career in London will give him the opportunity to exercise some of the the kind of the, the fieriness of his personality um, a little bit better. And he finally has somewhere to fuel all of his speech-making energy. Yes, exactly. Um, so I think that's number five. Uh, number four... I think was um, Ozzy and his scene-stealing moments, <laughs> including the shriek heard all around Cornwall. Uh, number three was uh, Jack Farthing. I think, my God, the man has been on fire uh, since uh, season uh, three, actually a little bit before season two as well. But uh, he really knocked it out of the park uh, this year with Series 4. Uh, number two uh, was, of course, the early days of London. Um, I, I, I loved, you know, the, the time that Ross and Demelza had with one another, uh, you know, getting to know each other and, and, and enjoying one another's company, <laughs> not just in the sack. But, you know, <laughs> uh, walking around London, seeing the sights, you know, all of that. And then, of course, going to that party where they both looked so gorgeous. Um, it was it, it was wonderful. And I think number one is going to be the Cornish landscape. Uh, <laughs> love, 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 love. Uh, it was especially fun to see it after having been there and walking on the, the, the same uh, cobbles and sand uh, that uh, we saw on the show. That was that was really special for me. So that's that's my top five. Have you gone over the uh, skipping stones? Yes, I did. And I actually have a picture of Aww. my little Demelza doll. I think that's probably one of my favorite locations. It's so picturesque. It is beautiful. It really is. And, you know, the the uh, cottage that they use for the exterior of the, the Karn brothers uh, is actually super tiny. It's this tiny little cottage. And yet you go inside and it's like, damn, this is It's a TARDIS in there. 
<laughs> yes, it's a TARDIS. It's a TARDIS And yet they cottage. still have bunk beds. I do not understand. <laughs> oh, they gotta have room to party, man. Because, you know, those methody folks, they know how to throw down. With their non-drinking and their dislike of singing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. my top five. Oh, let's... This is going to be tough. <laughs> I know, right? It was it was hard to kind of try and order them. I think number five, no disrespect, because I want to put you at number one, goes to uh, Jack Farthing's performance. I mean, in the last two episodes of the season in particular, he was just spectacular. He always raises the bar. So I just can't wait to see what direction he goes with the character next year because, you know, big question mark about what the content will be. But, you know, you can rely on Jack Farthing to hit it out of the park. He's amazing. Um, Yeah, he's going he's gonna to bring game. Number four, I would say, was the Caroline and Dwight storyline this season they actually got a storyline which was incredible yes (laughs) i mean admittedly they were losing their baby and that was very hard to watch but it was a real highlight of the season for me because of the incredible performances of luke and gabriella who gabriella in particular hadn't gotten much to sink her teeth into until that scene um, where she loses her child and it was And it was just super satisfying to see them reconnect at the end of the series. And uh, uh, the scene where uh, Ross and Caroline are talking uh, at her get-together, I think it was in series three or maybe, I think it was in four, or or episode four, excuse me. Um, And Ross is talking about the loss of Julia, uh, it's the first time we've ever heard him talk about uh, Julia's loss and just the connection that the two of them had over their their shared um, bereavement uh, was really uh, a really beautiful scene. And I thought that Gabriella was spectacular. Number three um, probably goes to the Monk Adderley plot because it was surprisingly really really well done Uh, and it's such a tough subject matter to get right I know the show has previously been a bit dodgy in its depictions of sexual predators but this really worked well and gave Ross and Demelza a really meaty storyline in a season where they were mostly put in the background um Mm. so surprisingly good (laughs) I'm so surprised Mm -hmm. um it Yes. I think it was sort of like watching the Elizabeth and Ross scene from last season where we I was sort of dreading it and was just so mm-hmm. relieved when I finally watched mm-hmm. it with my own tune eyes and thought, wow, they really took their time with this. And compared to the rest of the, the rest of the season can seem a bit rushed, but having a whole episode dedicated to this really was great. Uh, Number two, the Sam Khan wrestling extravaganza. Yes. You forgot about it, but I will (laughs) hashtag never forget. Um, It was just fun to have the entire cast in one scene and have it be such a fun, lighthearted event with Sam at the center of it all. Oh. 
what a time was had. Uh, and it provided me with some really great Sam Emma feelings. Uh, just remember when that was a thing, briefly. Mm. Uh, number one, yes. definitely Ozzy Whitworth saying Poldark of Numpara in that one dinner scene. <laughs> Still makes me giggle. I'll oh never get over God. how funny that, that was. That was perfection. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to miss Christian. Me too. Me too. We lost some really great actors, uh, really great character actors uh, in uh, this season. And so, you know, I, as as horrible as Ozzy Whitworth is as a human being and a literary character, uh, I will absolutely miss uh, Christian Brassington's performance. Okay. Uh, least favorite storyline depicted across the series and why? <laughs> Mm, let's see. <laughs> uh, no surprise for me, it was Drawena, uh, you know, the Drake Morwenna storyline. And, you know, it's a damn shame because it didn't have to be that, that way. You know, it didn't have to be this uh, overwhelming uh, thread of plot through these two series, series three and series four. Um, you know, and I know it's going to be an unpopular opinion within the fandom, uh, because, you know, oh, it's just so romantic and star-crossed lovers, and I can appreciate a good old-fashioned Cinderella, West Side Story, Romeo and Juliet kind of story, uh, from time to time, but damn, this took up far too much screen time. They could have cut half of the sorrowful gazes across cliffs and in wells and everywhere else and we would have gotten the point and the bracelet never forget the bracelet drama (laughs) yeah you know we would have gotten the point they are pining for one another they're not able to be together we get it let's move on dog Let's move on. Yeah, I'm going to surprise nobody and agree. They suck <laughs> joy and life out of any episode they're in. I think an edit of the show where they were cut out completely would flow better. And to just be a hell more compelling episode. I also have to nominate the Pasco's Bank storyline for the hardest to understand. I know that we as book readers got it, but Delonda didn't. I think most people watching it missed half of what was going on, and we're just like, uh, they're poor again? I I don't know. (laughs) What's happening? Not really sure. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it, that was frustrating. Uh, because it really, you know, I, I don't know whether or not it was clear to the, uh, folks watching that, you know, yeah, with the, the situation at Pasco's bank failing, uh, they were poor again. You know, all of their savings had been wiped completely out. Um, and so the only thing that saved them was, um, thank you very much, Lord Bassett, or Sir Bassett, or I, I'm sorry, I've forgotten what something what he was. Isn't he sir, like he was Lord a Sir. Lord de Dunstanville now? He, Lord de Dunstanville, yes. Um, you know, thanks to him and, you know, his uh, overwhelming coffers, you know, he was able to uh, basically absorb all of the debt and um, 
give everybody their money back by the formation of the new bank. Hacking Ross up with that job he is completely unqualified for will <laughs> have them out of a pickle in no time. <laughs> oh, I just, they just slapped him on there for, you know, street He's very trend. handsome. He's handsome and he's kind of celebrity, kind of a celebrity in the, in the area, you know, being such a swashbuckling heroic type. That's how that worked. But anyway, um, oh, which storyline do you wish they'd allowed a chance to breathe and develop? I mean, other than all of them, um, Sam motherfucking Khan. <laughs> I think part of the problem with his story this season was that it was just completely underdeveloped in season three. So it's kind of retroactive. Going into an episode like 402, which is was pretty Sam heavy, there was little to no character there to develop. Having said that, I think Tom York's performance was just stellar, and the scenes with Emma in particular, when she says goodbye to him next to the ocean, and I cried. I mean, it was some of the most <laughs> emotional of the entire season. And he really worked miracles with very little substance. Yes, agreed. Um, the way they sacrificed Sam's storyline in favor of the Drake Morwenna uh, storyline was really a travesty. Um, just hashtag read the damn books. Um, I also think the let's rush through the angry time conundrum uh, kind of eviscerated the last few chapters of the book by attempting to cram everything into the last oh, episode. Oh, the last episode. Uh, it was really unfortunate. Yeah, that, that, that last episode was a train wreck. Um, so what were your favorite performances? Um, let me see. Well, I think... Um, uh, I know that Delanda had included hers in uh, our uh, notes for this episode before she went out of town. <laughs> the uh, she had said <laughs> Gabriella Wilde's portrayal of Caroline's grief. Uh, Luke Norris, uh, when Dwight found out about his daughter's disease. Oh, my God. That was that was such an amazing scene. So amazing. Um, Eleanor Tomlinson felt so realistic when Demelza was harassed by Adderley. Uh, it was frightening and mirrored real-life situations. Amen. I know we talked about that during uh, the episode uh, where we talked about uh, 407. And, um, you know, it it was really pretty harrowing. Um, and then, finally, Delanda says, last but certainly not least, Jack Farthing, who gives so much depth to George Worlegan, the show would absolutely not work without Jack Farthing giving the performance like this. Right. And, uh, you know, they they have made George, they've, they have transitioned George from being a uh, snidely whiplash dude to being this man of, of um, many, many uh, sides and dimensions. And uh, that is all credit to Jack Farthing. Uh, Christian Brassington, I think, it does a similar job. Um, just an absolute delight to watch every week. No matter what he was doing in a scene, you could guarantee it was going to be just incredible viewing it. Whether it was some of the light-hearted scenes or some of the more troubling ones with his wife, I think, just amazing. I could not praise him enough. <laughs> 
an incredible tweeting. Great tweeter. Yes! Speaking of something oh we don't mention enough is Esme Coy as Rowella. I mean, she's just a delight. The way she says vicar kills me. Vicar? <laughs> vicar? Uh, I was vicar. just perversely sad to see her storyline conclude because we've lost a very talented actress and oh, she was amazing. Um, I've gone on about this enough. So Tom York is Sam Khan. He does the most with the absolute least. And I agree with uh, both you and Delanda uh, for everything that you've listed. Uh, I really liked watching uh, Aiden Turner and Eleanor Tomlinson in their scenes this season. Uh, there was a, such a sense of uncertainty and vulnerability that was woven throughout their interactions. You know, it was a couple trying to find their feet after being so shaken, you know. Um, and when they did, like during their first days in London, it felt so good. Which then, of course, made the shift to the Adderley storyline uh, that much more troubling. So, you know, it was, it was, it was marvelous. And the dude that plays Adderley, thank you for your face. Holy cow! I still remember when we first saw him, we were like, he's he's very troubling, troublingly <laughs> um, intriguing. Oh, damn, my lord. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, girl, Let's yeah. Let's do the spooky mm-hmm. music because we have a section mm-hmm. called Never Ending Mysteries. Uh, because this show just makes you question everything. For instance... Where is Tom Harry, and did he leave the village? <laughs> uh, hashtag got another gig. Uh, he was actually in Ready Player One. So, so yeah, dude had to bail. <laughs> Hence, <sighs> Tom Harry 2.0. He's just a knockoff version, really. <laughs> yeah, also, what I know. month is it? In the final episode, it was supposed to be winter, right? I mean, we're talking like... It's the turn of the century, right? Maybe? (laughs) Right. You know, we never get time references, or at least we had a few of them show up uh, this season. And actually, we did get a time reference at the very beginning. I think it was the very beginning of the finale where they had uh, Elizabeth going to see that creepy ass doctor uh they had indicated that it was Why october demelza talking about christmas so like, oh. like bitch there's so many holidays before then i mean because because time sped up we were in october and then all of a sudden everybody's back in london so we're supposed to assume that we n- realize that a couple more months have gone by i don't know they really should have made a bigger deal about the century ending i mean that's like basically what the entire last chapter of the book is about but you know you would think it was just like no big deal i remember y2k okay Mm -hmm. it's a huge deal (laughs) (laughs) anyway another mystery uh where is judd he left the village to escape tom harry Tom Harry is now gone. Is Judd actually dead? <laughs> oh God! Well, you know, I think that I think that uh, Phil Davis has had a couple of uh, jobs 
that have taken him uh, away from the Poldark universe, unfortunately, because he was always such a delight to watch. But hey, did you know that in 1980, Phil Davis recorded a song <laughs> called Blown It, which was released on the Elton John-owned label, The no. Rocket Record Company? I can't tell you... I can't tell you how much I have searched to see if we could get a uh, an audio file of that song. I oh. can't find it anywhere. So uh, for any of you guys out there listening, if you have any idea where we could get that. I'll buy it on vinyl. Please. I'll do anything. Just, uh, Send us a link to drop it. Drop us an email. Tell yeah. us what the hell's going on with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did find a an image of the record cover, the album cover or the the, the single cover he with was a handsome. very young, uh, very. He was very handsome. He looks very much like uh, someone that you would have seen in the movie Quadrophenia with uh, you know riding the Vespas with all the mirrors. And oh, stuff what like happened that. to you? Another question: Where has Doctor Choke been for two seasons? Which, by the way, was like eight <laughs> years in the show. He just showed up randomly again. I was like, wait, you still live here? I know. I know. It's like, oh I my think God, that you're might still be alive. the biggest Holy surprise crap. of the season. When he showed up, I've never been more shocked. Um, yes. Does Caroline mm-hmm. have a time yes. traveling coach? How does everyone just pop around the country so yes. quickly? <laughs> that, ep- that episode where it's Ross crazy. was literally there it's for crazy. one day. <laughs> and then turns around and a goes back. Of traveling. I know. I know. It's like, hey, I'm gonna travel for several days. Pop in, say hello, get a quick shag with the wife, argue to try and get something done, and then go back. Where were all the working class people in London? Why were the streets so empty? <laughs> I know we we had it. They were they were all That's in the very poor house. Poor house. <laughs> they were in the poor house, and and we also did have a chance to see one of them cleaning up Jeffrey Charles puke. I think the that there the was some kind of leftover situation where a portion of the population just vanished off the streets. And that's the only thing. Like, nobody noticed. <laughs> but it was more than 2% of the world. It was more like a good 80%. I'd say there was only a 2% left and they were all the yeah, rich people. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but, you know, they had, to, they had to have some of them, you know, like, doing the cooking and the cleaning and, and all that kind of stuff. They're just all invisible. Maybe it's they're like all wearing a, invisibility clothes. The beast and they're all... <laughs> they've all turned into appliances and... Furniture. Okay. I see. There Um, we go. Why does Jeffrey Charles have such straight hair? Are we sure this kid is Francis's? I mean, this is Elizabeth we're talking about. Oh, damn. Damn, girl. That is some pretty heavy hashtag She deserves it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh my god. Okay, so uh, what are you looking forward to in series five? Um, I'd like to see more of the children. Remember them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that this isn't like a family sitcom or anything, but can you imagine how cute if it was? <laughs> um, god! 
<laughs> the lack of interaction between Demelza and Ross and their children. It sucks, to be honest. I mean, Jeremy must be about seven or eight by now, but you barely know he exists. Except, except he does have some messy-ass hair. Got some messy-ass hair. We noticed him to be like, is this their child? <laughs> when he showed up, I was like, is that Jeremy? <laughs> that doesn't look like him. He looks well, like... and... <laughs> And we wound up going, you know, we had two actors playing Jeremy this season, uh, you know, because they're supposed to be this, you know, time jump uh, that takes place. And, you know, the first one who was adorable uh, had like stick straight hair and it was short and he was wearing the cutest little tricorn at the wrestling match. Oh, my God. It was so cute. Um, (laughs) I know it was so cute. And he did a fist pump, even though I'm sure he wasn't supposed to. <laughs> I, I somehow don't think that fist pumps were all the rage back in the 18th century. Nobody um, can prove that they weren't. That's true. That's true. But he had bone straight hair and it was short. And then the next time we see Jeremy, he's got his hair almost down to his shoulders and it's a curly mess. Which, thank you for finally getting that in there. But... Yeah. It doesn't look like the same person at all, and that's No, it does not. It does not. I just think that the children should be part of the fabric of the farmhouse and their everyday lives a bit more. Especially as they grow older, I just think it's really weird to have all these silent children. I worry about them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I mean, every time I see the family together, I, I get a bit lightheaded with glee. Uh, because it doesn't happen very often. Uh, and, you know, the scene where Ross sneaks up on the kids when he comes home, just kill me. Just kill me. I could watch that gift set over and over and over again. It is just adorable. Um, I'm also looking forward to the end of the marital strife between Ross and Demelza. You know, they are fully reconciled now. So let's move forward. Let's move forward. So, what are you most concerned about in Series 5? Ooh, how long do you have? <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, if I'm completely honest, I don't think I'm looking forward to it so much. Uh, so much is up in the air about the content of it. And I don't mind little deviations to the books, as long as the characterization remains intact. The idea that we might be getting an entire series of newly imagined storylines makes me anxious. Not that I don't think Debbie is capable of creating new content necessarily. It's just that it's essentially fan fiction. And I don't really feel comfortable with that being known as Poldark. One of my favourite shows on the, the... is a book adaptation on the air right now and with an e has loads of deviations Mm. and there's so much added to the story that wasn't there before and i think it actually is just amazing but it's not an entire series of it you know it's just minor plots anyway i'm not really sure there's much during the time jump that would actually excite me warrant a season but 
maybe I'm just not being imaginative enough. Who knows? I may end up liking it. We will have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Uh, and the news that there could very well be a sixth series <sighs> eventually. Uh, you know, it only makes me speculate more about what could happen in series five. Um uh, you know, and because if we're taking some time between both series five and six, you know, obviously it would give the actors an opportunity to age up a bit, uh, <clears throat> which uh, absolutely would have to happen in order to con- continue the the book adaptations through to the the end uh, with uh, Bella Poldark. Um, but it just makes me think that then series five is just going to be a mishmash of dabblings uh from the time jump and you know uh, you know me i'm a big fan of fan fiction um and you know have enjoyed uh writing a thing or two uh within the the poldark universe um but uh, it's fan fiction, you know. I know that this is just stuff that I would love to see happening in my head. That time of thing, I, I, I would not be comfortable, <laughs> um, you know, putting a, a stamp of, uh, you know, Poldark, uh, you know, authorized blah 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 on, you know, anything that that I might write uh, about the the story and the uh the time jumps and and things along like those missing moments that type of thing because you know i'm not winston graham exactly <laughs> you know i'm i'm not winston graham so uh you know there's there's a difference between um adapting something that exists um uh, but when it comes to like writing with this within this universe that just I I couldn't do it. It's too like fuzzy to really even consider at the moment as well because we know so little. Mhm. Yeah, exactly. And you know, this is why I hate going down the rabbit hole of speculation. Uh it it just makes my head hurt <laughs> and it makes my heart hurt when I do go down that road and wish and hope and dream for things to happen and then they don't. Thank you very much, Series 3. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Okay, so let's move on from that ball of mess um, to the yeah. Hydra Reed Appreciation <laughs> you know, Corner. Yay! Yeah, you know, I, I know we have been bashing on Elizabeth's character so much um, over the course of the last... Uh, four series but you know something it, we wouldn't be doing it if we hadn't had uh Heide Reed doing this yeah I mean you know I may hate Elizabeth but I have such a girl crush on Heide Reed I love her and I'm certainly going to be following her career going forward you know I want to see Stella Bronquist um hopefully it will be shown here soon and she's going to be on the West End very soon in a play with yes! Ewan Rowan, who is another yes! favorite actor of mine. So I'm definitely going to try and get tickets. Yeah. Yes! So I think. Yes, I am. Yeah, I'm so happy to see her work, uh, to have seen a chance of watching her uh, during Poldark. Uh, really excited about the future. I've already picked up 
uh, ticket to go see her play. <laughs> oh, crazy. Uh, yes, I know, I know. Uh, it's I'm going to the matinee the same day. I'm uh, going to be going to see uh, Aiden's uh, final performance in Lieutenant of Inishmore. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, so it's going to be a full day of theater with my jet lagged ass. Uh, but uh, you're going to be like, where uh, am but, I? Uh, I don't know where I am. I don't know what time it is. But hey, I'm sitting here in a theater and it's awesome sauce. Um, uh, and I'm also following her blog, The Habit Swap. I don't know if you've uh, started following it. Uh, she is so witty and down to earth. It's been really enjoyable to to follow that along. So. Uh, wishing you all the very, 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 very best, Miss Reed, and uh, see you on stage and screen very soon. Um, so let's honour Elizabeth, shall we? <laughs> R.I.P. Elizabeth, uh, with our favourite Elizabeth scenes. Um, I personally loved this church scene between Ross and Elizabeth from season three, bizarrely. Um, I tend to hate their scenes. This was just so beautifully acted by both actors. Um, and I'm a real sucker for some Elizabeth Francis scenes. Hmm. They were so emotionally wrought. I mean, either by deep affection or intense jealousy. I think one of my favourite scenes ever will be when Francis goes to Elizabeth and the pilot and he's like, I'm not Ross, but I love you. Oh my God. <laughs> so beautiful. Oh my God. Man. Yeah, thank you, Kyle Stoller, for that devastating single tear tre trickling down your cheek. Oh my God, just rip my heart out, poor sweet angel. They poor sweet angel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, they had such a beautiful, like, natural chemistry, and I loved whenever, whenever Elizabeth was with baby Jeffrey Charles. Those were really, mm, mm -hmm. like, beautiful, tender scenes. She got a little creepy towards the end when he grew up. That, that was cute. <laughs> um, for me, it, the, the scene when Francis is leaving for Ross's trial, it's very, very similar to the, the feeling that, that came from that first scene uh where we see Francis going to Elizabeth to basically give her give her the chance to opt out of uh the marriage uh because of Ross's return you know it 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 has the the same kind of of feel and uh for me and i think uh Kyle Stoller's performance in that that scene uh, is just incredibly touching um you know when he says god bless you it's just like, you know, and just as as Elizabeth realizes, you know, a fraction of a second too late that there is something final about that. And uh, she runs after him. But of course, he's already left. But uh, but yeah, really, really, really great scenes. And uh, the chemistry between the two actors is just fantastic. Um so yeah. R.I.P. Elizabeth. I will think of you every time I see that window that you look down on constantly. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the window at Trenwith. <laughs> you know she loves that eavesdropping. Oh my gosh! <laughs> exactly. Ooh, in on other exactly. people's private conversations now. Oh. Well, 
Well, who would have a conversation in a giant echoey room with a catwalk above their heads? They just you know, it, it's like, yeah. uh, yeah, there's there's a balcony right up there. So if you're trying to have a nice, quiet conversation, you might want to look someplace else. I always thought, else. like, if it's so Catwalks. echoey, surely they can hear her creeping towards the catwalk as well. <laughs> One would think. Okay, so that is it from us uh, in this week's podcast. Uh, We'll be back next week with a very special inbox edition of the podcast where we read out your reactions to the series this season, as well as answer any of your burning questions about anything Poldark. Uh, Want to get involved in the episode? Then email us at poldarkpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Poldark Podcast. But by far the easiest option is to go to our Tumblr page and go to the Ask box. It's as easy as hell. Uh, so get those submissions in and you can be read out on the podcast. Also, uh, we are gearing up for another um, invasion of Cornwall in a couple of weeks. Uh, so if you have any questions or have anything that that you know you'd like to to see us or hear us uh, talk about, or visit while we're there, uh, drop us a, a line in the ask box, and who knows, could be on the itinerary. So, see you all next Bye. time. Bye-bye! Ugh. <sighs>
bastard does ow! Another one bastard does hey hey! Another one bastard does hey!